We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Steven Adams is a monster, man. He's a, <laughs> he's a monster like somebody from Game of Thrones or something. Like we call him uh, Gandalf. Because like he's never early or late, he's always <laughs> at the right time. Yeah, my job is to never stop, regardless of percentages. I don't really give a damn about percentages, honestly. All I care about is wins. Yeah, I'm used to it. I'm used to this. Y'all ain't met playing LP yet, huh? <laughs> Alright guys, welcome to the Uncontested Podcast post-game edition from Oklahoma City where they just pulled off the, what, NBA's third largest ups, uh, third largest deficit uh, in the playoffs by a 25-point deficit in the third quarter. I'm Kami Amrabi and your host today with my lovely co-hosts Taylor Peterson and Justin Hickey. Guys, what is your first reaction right now after just watching what just happened? Kind of speechless, but very, very excited. And it's 11.48 Central Time, and I'm probably not going to go to sleep until like 1 or 2 at the earliest. I'm very excited. That was uh, that was something. That was an absolute awesome win. Just seeing the timeline was so dejected when we went down by 25. We were already looking towards the offseason. Guys were just mentally checked out of the game. And Russell Westbrook just had that battle juice in his blood and brought him back. That was amazing. Yeah, I think you brought up a good point, um, like just because of how they played the previous two games and how down everybody was, how down everybody was on with, on Russ, on the entire team in general, and then they come out, play that awful flat first half. It looked like the season was over. And then next thing we know, as we've said all season, this team goes as Russell Westbrook goes. He just went absolute supernova. Paul George followed. Uh the rest of the team followed in his, in his footsteps, and I thought that was pretty awesome. But, but like you said, Justin, I think that 
all contributed kind of to the surprise factor of it all. There wasn't a single per- one of us on Twitter at the game. Nobody expected this, so that that made it more fun. Yeah, I pretty much wanted to scream at the top of my lungs when that game happened. Like, I thought, okay, OKC tied it up to go to the third quarter. Let's see what happens. I was waiting to be disappointed, to be honest, in the fourth quarter. But they just kept on going, and really they just kept on pushing it. Of course, Rudy Gobert had like five fouls. So that might be different next game. That'll be something to keep an eye on. But at the same time, I don't know if Jay Crowder is going to can nine three-pointers next game. So that's also something yeah. to keep an eye on. <laughs> yeah. So because Jay, Jay Crowder is hitting step-back threes. How often does Jay Crowder hit step-back threes or make any sort of wiggle move other than just spot-up corner threes? It's not I mean, often. He had an awful first three games. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, they, he hadn't really been much of a factor besides on the defensive end. And, um, yeah, he was just out there looking like, Donovan Mitchell and him switched talents for the night or something. It was just crazy. Yeah, people are out on Twitter saying, well, Rudy Gobert had five fouls, and do you really expect Paul George and Russ to combine for 80 points? Like, well, I actually could, could see I could see Russ and Paul George combining for 80 points again. But, and of course, Rudy Gobert probably won't have five fouls next game, but I do not see, I don't see James Crowder hitting 27 points and uh, nine three-pointers. So, what were your thoughts when OKC's down by 25 points in the middle of the third quarter. We'll start with Justin. I I thought it was over. I, I really did. Um, I didn't give up hope on OKC as a team, but just like everybody else, they were down by 25. You just saw guys' facial expressions, and Russell Westbrook looked like the only one that was still mentally at the peak. He was the only one on OKC that looked like he wanted that game. And his energy and his drive to just go out there. And guys just followed him. And I mentioned on Twitter, I was willing to live and die by Russell Westbrook shooting the ball the rest of that game. And we were going down on the Brody shoulders. And we were surviving or dying with him. Yeah, yeah. I uh, Well, I was actually, I was tweeting from the account tonight. So you guys can actually go back and see all my ridiculous takes and my uh my kind of my mood swing from the first half to the second half but it it all started i think the comeback started about the time i replied to the okc thunder tweet it was early in the third we were down 25 at the biggest of the deficit and they were talking about how russ was starting to catch fire they tweeted out like a picture of russ with like a the fire emoji like russ is catching fire and everybody's just giving him crap so from our account I tweeted with the the Jonah Hill meme where he's sitting there doing that, like, nah, with his hand in his face from, like, one of the awards, you know? It's it's all over the place. But anyways, I tweet that, and I'm, like, kind of feeling good about myself. Oh, hey, we are uh, now joined by the Thunder Mob, who was fresh from the game. He just randomly popped up. A random Thunder Mob appears. (laughs) Holy Santa Claus. Yeah. <laughs> grandma. That's the first thing you say on the podcast when you randomly pop up as holy Santa Claus. Holy Santa Claus. Shit. Well, Jake, since you are just now joining us, we're talking about what we were thinking when okay, OKC was losing by 25 in the middle of the third quarter. Oh, um, I was on Amazon 
ordering an industrial sized bag of razor blades? No, can't say that. Oh my god! <laughs> to shave his beard, you know, he was yeah, yeah. like yeah. Alex. Oh god! At that point, he was going to shave his beard off. I was really sad. <laughs> like I was legit ready to leave the peak because I was like, I was so angry. I was just like yeah. infuriated. I was like, "This is bullshit. I want to leave. I hate this. This <laughs> I hate sucks." The <laughs> he was gonna then, body slam grandma. Yeah, I, I looked at grandma. <laughs> Throw grandma, on the court. God bless grandma. Grandma's like a sweet old like church going lady, and I'm like over there just like, "Am I allowed to cuss on the podcast still?" <laughs> you sure? Tommy are did. <laughs> I, I was over there. I was like, "Man." This shit. I'm ready to leave. <laughs> like I, but I couldn't cuss because Grandma was next to me. And then Russ hit those two threes in the third quarter, and I was like standing on my chair yelling like, "Let's fucking go!" <laughs> I was like, "Sorry, Grandma, I'm going to hell, but we're gonna turn up tonight." <laughs> yeah, when OKC was down 25, I was thinking, "Oh man," because we had a conversation earlier in the Slack about. What yeah. are OKC's options realistically with the amount of money they could deal with if they don't have PG or if they don't have Melo or if they have just Melo? And I was just thinking about, oh gosh, can they sign Jabari Parker in the offseason? What is Presti going to have to do in this offseason? Of course, we're going to have that conversation sometime soon, uh, maybe sooner than later. I don't know. But I was thinking that like this is really the way the season ends, a 25 to 30 point blowout on OKC's own home floor and that was really really depressing and then just rush just shot a b12 injection into okc's ass and (laughs) the rest is history now yeah we all have stats and taylor i know you've got some stats that you really want to talk about which means some things what are your stats that you have what do they mean i guess yeah so kind of have some crazy numbers here to kind of go along with this crazy game so the thunder were two of eight from three i believe in the first half only 36% on field goals, which, and actually that's off memory. That's from what I saw on Fox Sports at halftime. So I'm pretty sure that's accurate. Could be wrong. Regardless, it was awful. And just kind of like we talked about here at the beginning, and I'm just going to kind of reiterate for Jacob, but like after those first two, these last two games that the Thunder just played and they come out with that awful first half, I mean, there wasn't a single Thunder fan, I don't think, who truly believed that they could pull this off. We all were thinking, man, this this is over, and we're just going to end the season on an awful note. They're down by 25 in the third quarter. And at that point, that's when I'm just like looking at my TV, shaking my head. The Thunder tweet out something about Russ catching fire because he had just hit like two shots in a row or something. Everybody's bashing him. So I, I tweet out that that gif or whatever of Jonah Hill. And uh, I was feeling kind of proud. I was like, hey, I made a funny tweet. And then literally I check my phone. I, I let the dog out. I look at my phone, 13-point game. I'm just like, what the heck? Rudy Gobert, fifth foul, eight-point game. Russ hits two free throws. And it's from there, it's just absolute av- or avalanche for the Jazz. So the Thunder scored 32 points in the last nine and a half minutes is what Eric Korn said. But Justin had it at eight minutes and 23 seconds of the third quarter. That – per the Thunder, was the largest comeback of any Thunder game, regular season or playoffs, which is just absolutely absurd. Russ went supernova, 45 points, 15 rebounds, 7 assists, and he scored 33 of those in the second half, of which he played the whole entire second half. We, I don't, have we ever seen Russell Westbrook play the entire, an entire half? 
I think the Houston so. Yeah, I think I think year. during the Houston, Houston? series. Oh, okay, he, that's he that's just dead, last though. season. Yeah, but he yeah yeah, and, and he seemed to just feed off. The longer he played, the hotter he got. He just seemed to feed off that and continue to improve. PG fed off that. He also had a great game. But I wanted to read off a couple of these, uh, or not a couple of these, some of these plus minuses because they were just absolutely absurd. So, Kamiya brought up a good point that during that stretch, Melo did not play uh, when they during that comeback, and that was the lineup of Grant, Abrines, PG, Russ, and Steven. They were a game high plus twenty. That's crazy. And then, let's see, I had individual stats, if my CBS app would load, but here we go. So, Stephen Adams was a plus, plus minus 16, but the highest was Abrinas, plus minus 18. Yep. Russ was a plus minus 10, plus 10, uh, and Jeremy Grant was a plus minus 13, plus 13. And then so was Paul George. Sorry, I didn't mention him. I mean, that was just, those are just absurd, particularly compared to what we've been seeing these past couple of games. And then also, I tweeted out from our account, we can we give Steven Adams assist for some of those screens in the fourth quarter he was setting for Russ that led to Russ pull-ups? I mean, that dude deserves some credit. That was that was prime. That yep. was pretty there's, cool. There's actually a stat for that called screen assists, and ah. Steven Adams leads the league in screen assists, or he's like number know. two. Yep, it's like an advanced stat for like the the super NBA stat nerds. But uh, screen assist, Russell Westbrook, or sorry, Stephen Adams is one of the best in the league at. That's awesome. I mean, he was just he was setting some incredible screens, particularly oh, yeah. down the stretch. So, so that was, I, that was I, cool to see. I I don't know what you guys talked about at the beginning of the podcast, but um, Carmelo Anthony has to be going into Friday if the Thunder want to try. And have a chance to extend this to a game seven. In my mind, Carmelo Anthony has to play twenty minutes or less. I agree. There's just completely. there's no other way around it. There is no other way around it. He he's not contributing on offense. He's slow. They're they're targeting him in the pick and roll every time down the court. And he's either not switching, he's not quick enough to switch. He's not able to jump back out on the the pop man and giving up. I mean, he gave let Jake Crowder score fifteen points in the first quarter. Yeah, you know, like he's he is not helping the team. And I don't since I was at the peak, I didn't see this. I don't know. I had people tweeting me about this, and maybe you guys can shed some light on this. Apparently, Melo and um, and Mo Cheeks. Mo Cheeks were going at it. Mm-hmm. That's so. I just I didn't see that on TV. I just saw Gabe. How do you say his last name? Eichert. Gabe Eichert. Yeah, the former OU Sooner. Yeah. Um, yep. He mentioned that Melo and Mo Cheeks were going at it on the bench, and it seemed from his perspective, he said that Melo was trying to say, "Hey, I want to get in the game," which just kind of pisses me off. I'm not kind of. It really pisses me off so much because Melo's this whole entire season tried to play it cool in front of the media. Oh man, I'm just, you know, I just want this team to win. I'm just trying to be that vocal leader. You know, it, it really does. I mean, obviously he came out at the beginning of the season, set the precedent who me, I'm not coming off the bench, but outside of that, I felt like he's been pretty cool about, you know, I just want to do whatever helps the team win. Um, he went to the scores table towards the end of the season during that game that Grant was going crazy. Uh, and walked back and didn't come in the game, and now he's doing this. It's just yeah, crazy. It's just really there frustrating. Is, there's a saying that goes, old habits die hard. 
And Melo has been in this league so long that you just can't kill some of his old habits. He's always been chasing money, the big market. He won't come off the bench. It's just not going to change. And Billy Donovan, he grew a pair tonight, and he needs to do it in game six, like Jacob said. 20 minutes max. Um, I just want to point out Alex Abrinas, and I tweeted it just about 15 minutes ago. I feel like a dad watching his son grow up, like seeing him on defense compared to the first couple games last year and even into the playoffs. He has come so far, and that Donovan Mitchell layup. Oh my gosh. That was amazing. Alex Sabrina swatted that shit, and Russell Westbrook fed him on the offensive end and said, Here you go, big fella. Caught it like Anthony Morrow did (laughs) at his head and released it within a second. And. Six to midnight. Six to midnight on that play. Dude. Exactly what happened. At, my, my he dad. blocked him. He blocked him on that. And then whenever Abrinas, I so I was sitting on an aisle seat right next to the stairs, you know. Yeah. And when Alex, I was already standing. And when Alex caught the ball to shoot that three, I started running down the stairs with my <laughs> with my three goggles on, you know. And then he hit it, and I got possessed by the fucking devil or Jesus or Allah or something. I don't know, dude. I was about the to hit the floor gods. and start shaking. Like, oh, my God. That's that's that my so boy cool. right there. Dude, Tell so, us the truth, Jacob. Did you tear your labrum at a Thunder game last year? Dude, it <laughs> wouldn't surprise me. I, I need some blood pressure medication after that shit, yeah. dude. I so, think we all do. Let me throw out some Abrina stats. Abrina's stats, since we're just going to talk about the guy for the entire podcast. Yeah. Abrina's stats, he played more minutes than Corey Brewer. Did you guys yes. notice that? Awesome. Abrina's is actually tied for the third most minutes on the team today. In today's game, uh, he was tied with Carmelo Anthony. And lastly, Abrina's did have two less points than Brewer. However, was a team high plus 18. I think you mentioned that earlier, Taylor. And he they mentioned on the broadcast that Abrinas was really set on getting in the weight room and getting stronger, specifically his legs. And I felt like he did a much better job on Donovan Mitchell than Corey Brewer chasing Donovan Mitchell. And, of course, they switched things up. They switched things around on defense, primarily Grant playing basically as many minutes as Melo did. And if I'm thinking if you play – I mean, you start with Melo, sure, start with Melo. But if you put Grant over the top of Melo, I think it's going to bode well because Grant was a plus 13, Melo was a minus 6. And Melo may have scored more points than Grant, but it was very clear that they're locked into defense. And then you, you can pick and roll with Steven Adams, you can pick and roll with Jer- Jeremy Grant, and you got Alex Abrinas as a floor spacer, and it, it's all working out well for you. So these are all things that are really, really important to, to the win. And here are some other stats I'm going to throw out to you guys and see what you think. The turnover battle? Who do you guys think won the turnover battle? I'm gonna go. I feel like I feel like the guy. We turned it over a lot in the in the first half, throwing the ball into the stands. I'd say the Jazz won it. I, I almost hurt off Jazz turnovers. Yeah. Uh, turnover battle. OKC wins it nine to seventeen. Oh. Holy wow. cow! Nine to seventeen. Boy. Three point percentage. OKC wins that battle. Forty three percent to Utah's thirty four percent. The interesting thing that keeps on biting OKC in the ass is points off of turnovers. 
literally, Utah has almost as many, almost doubled up on OKC as far as turnovers they had. Points off turnovers, OKC 14, Utah 19. I thought that was really intriguing because that's that been is. a theme. Wow. Yeah. But still, yeah. these are things that really transpired through the game. The turnovers were a big deal, especially in that second half when they weren't turning the ball over whatsoever. Well, in the middle of the third quarter to the end of the game, they weren't turning the ball over, which was excellent and amazing. OKC goes on a 40-16 to run when Mello was benched. And you guys said, he's and we noticed on the broadcast, he's over there by Mo Cheeks. And Mo Cheeks is trying to like, hey, you know, yada yada, because Melo's trying to get in the game. Melo does get into the game. And I said, RIP to the season, guys. Uh, this is over. We we'll, came back we'll, for nothing. We'll talk to you back in the summer and see who's on the roster. And then in the last two and a half minutes, three minutes, Donovan says, nah, subs Melo out once again. And OKC finally pulls away from more than three points and goes to an eight-point win. So those are some stats as far as game-winning stats, important stats. I think Patrick Patterson only played like seven minutes. What's up with that? Yeah, that was weird. Raymond Felton only played four. Wow. I thought, I didn't even think of that until you mentioned that. But yeah. I think I think we got to give Billy some credit. Or not think. We, we do. We need to give Billy some credit tonight for what he did with Grant. Uh, the lineup tweaks, and obviously Arena's having the confidence on him. My dad, since so he's out of town on business, sends me and my little brother a, a text saying, what the hell is Billy Donovan thinking, having Arena's on Donovan freaking Mitchell? Very next visit. I, and then my, my little brother texts back like, Dad, he's actually doing pretty decent. And my little brother, I say little brother, he's like, he's 17. So he knows, and he plays basketball, he knows the game. But he said, Dad, like, he's been doing pretty decent. Very next possession is when he had the, the block, with the sequence of the yes. block, and then the three. And my dad was like, okay, <laughs> you're right. I think that was maybe. But Billy did a really good job. Sorry. I think that was maybe one of the, the most important things for this game was that whenever Paul George picks up foul number five, and the Thunder go that. go to literally switching everything that they continually ran that two three pick and roll and try it with um, with Donovan Mitchell and Joe Ingles and got the switch that way Paul George was off of Donovan Mitchell and Alex Abrinas played incredible. I mean there was another possession earlier on in the game when Alex Abrinas deterred Rudy Gobert at the rim pushed him out, and then Rudy Gobert had to hook Abrinas to get mm-hmm. around him, and that got Rudy number five, which really huge. changed the tone of the game, right? Um, Alex Abrinas, he didn't shoot much. I'd love to see him get more open looks whenever Paul George and Russell Westbrook are getting downhill like that and collapsing the defense. But defensively, nothing super sexy besides that block, which made me harder than a rock. Can I say that on the podcast? <laughs> Do we have to edit that? Sad, sad um, I don't care. But besides that, I mean, nothing super sexy. It was just solid defense. And, um, you know, I hope one thing that comes out of this game uh, and goes into Friday is regardless if Go Bears down there or not, Westbrook and PG just have to get downhill. They have just to. Just get that. downhill. Exactly. And Steven has to continue to be aggressive. They got to feed him, first of all. But he's got to continue to hold his position and try and get Rudy in foul trouble again. Because I thought he did yep. a great job of that as well. But you're right. That mainly rests on PG and Russ attacking and going to the hole. Hey, I, mean, I have a we, question. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Justin. 
we've been down this road before with Billy Donovan where he coaches a great game and then he goes back to the the same old bad Billy the next game. He just needs to keep this momentum. Like, I'm tired of doing this. All right, maybe Billy's got something up his sleeve and then back to the old Billy. Just keep up whatever you're doing. Uh, have the balls to bench Mello when you need to bench him. And this Utah Jazz team, it's a little bit better than the Memphis Grizzlies team of the 2013-2014. They pretty much run the same defense and the same, not the same offense, but um, Utah's much better shooting the three-pointer. But mm-hmm. their defenses remind me of the same thing. You have to get out and be athletic against them. And Mello just, he doesn't do anything on yep. defense. And he does, he's not doing anything on offense. And then you have, it was like the Kendrick Perkins situation. He was just in there to guard Mark Gasol. He did nothing on offense. He was just a, a liability. And they're playing four on five on offense. Get out and be athletic against these slow guys. That's what Quinn Snyder wants to do is slow the game down. Get out and be fast against them. I'm with you. I'm yep. with you. I, think, and, um, I wrote this down in my notes for last game. And this was like with, I mean, a couple minutes left in the fourth quarter. So this could have changed at the end, depending on Russ's final minutes and maybe PG's. But Carmelo Anthony had played the most minutes than any other Thunder player in game four. And then he, he plays much less, obviously, this game. And that's where we're what we're talking about right now. So I just thought that was, I mean, that's, that's on Billy, obviously. And I just, I really hope that that continues and that, Melo hopefully accepts that. But sorry, Jacob, what were you saying? I was gonna. I was just gonna say. Um, really, the the turning point of the game is when Melo got subbed out for Grant there, kind of early on in the fourth in the third quarter, and the Thunder um, finally just locked up on defense. I mean, I thought the game was over coming out of the third quarter when Utah got that weak side corner three wide open like three times in a row and Jay Crowder and Joe Ingles were either hitting wide open corner or elbow threes. And it was just the same shit over and over where we would overcommit on the ball handler on the pick and roll. Someone would have to rotate over and we're just leaving that backside open every time. And I thought the, the pivotal moment was getting mellow out of there, which allowed the thunder like, like Justin was saying, to be more athletic out there and to essentially switch everything. I mean, for a while there, the Thunder just switched every screen one through five. There was, you know, better communication, but just switched everything. And um, and so there there wasn't as much of a need for over rotation from that weak side and started to take those those three pointers away, you know, and I thought that was um, that was as much as yes, they needed that offensive outburst and they needed to score those points to win. The fact that they were able to finally shut down Utah's three point game. I I think that was the turning point. Yeah, absolutely. We also had an odd Josh Houston sighting was, which was a bad experience. (laughs) I would have preferred good block. Yeah, that was it. (laughs) I would have preferred the Terrence Ferguson experience to Josh Houston, but that's just me. So just to keep things a little bit short, Moving on to the last thing we'll talk about in this pod, where does OKC go from here? So we can talk about the hell of a game that Billy Donovan had strictly just by benching Carmelo Anthony. There's really not a lot of other things that he did other than playing Abrinas more, 
playing Jeremy yeah. Grant more and ensuring Carmelo Anthony played a little less and and also ensuring <laughs> Carmelo Anthony did not play in crunch time when the game was on the line. That was very important. You have to keep in mind, okay, so he was down by 25 points. Now, one, he took Melo out. They went on a 40-16 and 16 run and closed the game on a 61-28 run. That's, that's impressive. Freaking that's crazy impressive out. as hell. Yeah, that's sixty-one and twenty-eight. Yeah. Uh, so cool. you have to you have to keep in mind. OKC they were down by twenty-five at one point. So again, on Friday they go to Utah. It's a later game. <laughs> what happens? Where do we go from here? Grant and Abrinas need to eat more of Mello and Brewers minutes, and that doesn't include. Starting those two, you don't want to take them out of their comfort zone. But once players get into a game and they start getting a sweat and they come in in the second, third, and fourth quarters, they're more in a rhythm. And I think in late in that third quarter and into the fourth quarter, Grant and Abrinas need to eat those minutes. They need to space out the floor. They need to get more athletic. And like a lot of us have pointed out, Jeremy Grant can guard all five positions on the floor. Pretty much like Andre Roberson can do. Roberson. People keep telling me about Roberson. I keep saying that. Um, but <laughs> Jeremy Grant, he, he scares me in, in terms of what kind of contracts he's going to get this summer. Yes. He is freakishly yeah. athletic. He can get down. He, he can bang with the bigs. And he needs to eat those minutes by Mello. This Mello experiment is just not working out. We were all willing to give it a try in the playoffs and see if his iso ball could work in the half-court set, and it's just not working. And it's going to be tough to get him to opt out this summer, and I don't think it's going to happen unless Lala Anthony forces something on him to get back to a big market. But I think <laughs> we're stuck with that contract, and I know Kamiar's laughing at my tweet. I you were earlier. tweeting some bad things about his wife, man. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that was not... Look, look, for everyone that <laughs> no, didn't see it, no, I said, no, I said, no, <laughs> I said, Lala needs to close the teeth. Oh, my <laughs> God. Oh, my God. She needs to force him out of OKC because he needs, we need to get out of that 28 million somehow. I don't think it's going to happen, but Lala needs to be our biggest motivator and fan right now. So Justin's going to be tweeting at Lala. Justin's going to be tweeting at Lala for the next (laughs) damn three months. Yeah. Hey, she's kind of cute, though. (laughs) (laughs) Jacob, let's get the next person. Jacob, where do we go from here? Okay, so Friday night, the Jazz, I was talking about this earlier. Um, the, The Jazz are going to, I think, put all their eggs into to the Friday night's basket. They, they're going to want to close this thing out on their home court with their momentum. Um, I wonder if if this is going to creep some doubt into them or if they're just going to see it as they just blew an opportunity and they got to come back better. I think if the Thunder wants a chance to win Friday night, they have to play with the urgency that they played with in the second half tonight. We need to see more of that Westbrook, Abrinas, Paul George, Jeremy Grant, Stephen Adams lineup. That is arguably the best lineup that the Thunder can throw out there, especially if Alex or if Alex Abrinas uh, is able to hold his own defensively. That is by far the best lineup they can throw out there. They need to be aggressive. They need to stick to their defensive principles, switch that pick and roll, and not overcommit and let that backside three stay open because Utah is going to come out motivated and 
role players tend to play better at home, although I don't know if Jay Crowder is ever going to score 27 points again in his life. Um, but the Thunder need to run that lineup. If Carmelo Anthony is being unproductive and slow on defense, you just have to get him out of there quickly. Like, I want to see, like, 30 Jeremy Grant minutes to 18 Carmelo Anthony minutes. And I think if the Thunder do that, they at least give themselves a chance to win in Utah Friday night. And if they are somehow, some way able to pull off an upset out in Utah on Friday night, um, all bets are off coming back to Oklahoma City on Sunday. That place is going to be absolutely insane for a winner-take-all Game 7. And I, I hope we get it just for the entertainment value, um, for my mental health. I hope we get that. Um, but yeah, for, I think that... I think that pressure. Yeah, I think that five-man lineup is um, is the OKC's uh, kind of trump card to maybe being able to stay in this series. Yeah. So, Kamiar, you predicted Utah at six. I'm going to be honest with you. At this point, I'm leaning just a little towards you, and I think you could be correct. And I'm just going to credit uh, Thunder Digest tweeted this out at the end of the last game, and I had it in my game notes for game four. But the Thunder haven't won a road playoff game since May 16th, 2016. And that was game one of the Western Conference Finals. Eight straight road losses. That scares me a lot, particularly in Utah. I mean, that place was rocking also these past two games before tonight. But a couple keys, like you guys mentioned, I think Bill, like Jacob kind of inferred this, but I think Billy has the rotations down for what needs to be done for this game. I think the timing is going to be very important. So you know what? If we need to start Melo next game, so be it. And I, I could see the see why. Obviously, just his demeanor, but also you need some firepower off the bench. If you take Jeremy Grant away from that, you really only got to bring as and Felton and Patterson are hit or misses. So I think the rotation timing is going to be really big, and I think that falls on Billy, obviously. I hope he gets that down. felt like he did a pretty good job tonight, but there's some tweaks that could be made that could be really beneficial. Russ needs to be Russ. And at the end of game four, I seriously thought he might be injured. He had that KT tape all over his upper body. Mm -hmm. He was getting that treatment. He just was missing layups, missing shots. He looked like he did in preseason when we all thought he was hurt with with his knee. I was really concerned about an injury. But obviously after tonight, I'm starting to think maybe it was just mental. So if he can ride this wave, if it was a mental, he got over that mental block, that would be huge. I think PG feeds off that. So obviously he needs to continue to be on. He doesn't need to be the, the guy like he was in game one, but what he did tonight was perfect. He was the perfect Robin to Russ's Batman, and that's going to be huge. And then, obviously, we've talked a lot about this, but Grant's minutes over Melo. We've got to find a way to impl- implement that correctly. I think we, we will have a good shot. Jacob brought up a good point about game seven in the peak. If we're in the peak, I don't, I don't see us losing that with the momentum and with the crowd. Jacob tweeted out, he said on his way out, that they were chaining OKC as the fans were leaving, like that place was fired up. So that's, it was wild. Also, Hey, before we get off this podcast, I just want to share this with you guys. Um, Fred Katz just tweeted. And if, if you don't want to hear the F word, fast forward the podcast, like 30 seconds right now. (laughs) Okay. Fred Katz tweeted. I was asking one thunder player, how in the world this happened and I mentioned that I had my story fully written and had to delete it because of Thunder coming back. And the Thunder player pumped his fist and yelled, F- yeah, F- your story. 
<laughs> that is <laughs> that's incredible. Let's take bets. Who said that? Josh Eustis, because no, Josh... that's that's Stephen Adams, dude. That's one hundred percent Stephen Adams. You think so? I, I think you're right. That Stephen is Stephen. That, that is so Stephen. Josh Eustis has Josh Eustis has a back and forth with Fred Katz. That's the only reason why I say he that. Does oh Josh yeah, is, he's yeah. Such a good boy. I don't see him like dropping up. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That just that's so in line with Royce's story and interviews with Stephen from earlier in the week. I think that's Stephen. I'm with you. You're probably right. It's probably that's incredible. incredible. Oh man, that might time. be my favorite tweet of the night. That's incredible. <laughs> All right. Well, oh, man. Mind for where do we go from here? It's pretty simple. You got to come out like you guys said. Be aggressive. Play middle less minutes. You have to punch Utah in the face as soon as the first and second quarter comes out. You have to punch them in the face because if you let them get, you know, if, if you're competitive all throughout three quarters, three and a half quarters, you don't want to test that Utah. You don't want to test that Salt Lake City arena where big things can happen. It, it, it's the home team. You saw it happen this evening. You need to punch them in the mouth and let, let them know what's happening. So you have to be aggressive from the start, play more defense, and Abrinas just needs to keep on playing the way he is with Donovan Mitchell. I'm pretty happy with the way he did tonight. Of course, Donovan Mitchell, all he did was run off a screen or get a switch and then do a spin move and throw some shit up in the air. And one time Abrinas said no and swatted him and then had hit a three on the opposite end, which was a massive momentum changer. So that's where we go from here. I did pick Utah on six. I'm kind of sticking to it, but I hope we see OKC in the peak for the seventh game, and that would be like I think on a Sunday. But that's all we have. Do you guys have anything else left to say before we wrap it up? I would give my life for Russell Westbrook. Sacrifice me on the altar. (laughs) Oh, God. Cut my wrist and cut my neck. Okay, we (laughs) might have to. We're (laughs) going to cut all that out. (laughs) All right. This is my last resort. (laughs) All right. So, hey, follow Taylor Peterson, Taylor underscore Peterson. Follow. Justin Hickey, that's at jhicknessign. Follow Jacob Niffin, who randomly popped up in the podcast when we were just talking. That's at Thundermob405. And there's me, Kamehameha Marabi, and at BoomtownRW. Just go and follow up the, un- the uncontested. And check out the t-shirts we've been having. They're pretty awesome. Uh, I've been waiting to get one myself. They're freaking amazing with this 80s, 90s retro look. It looks pretty sweet. OKC plays Utah at 930 uh, this Friday, it'll be interesting. I hate late games, but when I'm really this nervous, I just stay up and wait anyways. And we'll do some barbecuing. It'll be nice outside, whatever. Get uh, drunk and get rowdy on Twitter. Yes. There we go. And as because Friday we know night. those Mormons won't. Okay. Uh, as the as someone, the someone I, I, tweeted me, they were like, "If OKC wins Game Six, I'm scared for some of those guys' five and six wives that they're gonna beat." Oh my <laughs> oh, God! I was like, <laughs> like I'm out of. T- I was like, I'm logging off Twitter and getting off for the night, man. Yeah, I I done seen enough. <laughs> oh my God! I'm not gonna say they're at on here and put them on blast and have them people going at him. Oh gosh, oh, that's incredible. In the famous <laughs> words of Kevin Garnett, anything is possible, and. Thunder up. <laughs>